Jesus sets the standard for all men. In today's show, we are going to discuss and discover how Jesus sets the standard for you and for me as a man. You may relate to Jesus through your tradition, your religious background, a Bible story you heard, or even by observing those who profess to be Christian. The goal of today's show is to present Jesus as the standard that you and I are called to live up to. Let's get into it. You are listening to Raising the Standard, leadership, mindset, and development for the kingdom man. If you've ever wondered, how can I be the man God created me to be? Or maybe you asked yourself, what purpose does God have for my life? If that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. My goal is simple, to help you access the unfair advantage all Christian men have and give you actionable strategies to reach your full potential. My name is Josh Kachadorian. I am a best-selling author, husband, father, disciple, and son of Jesus Christ. If you're ready to get off the sidelines, upgrade into your identity as a kingdom man, and take the territory that God has for you, then it's time to raise the standard. Hey guys, most Christian men understand that Jesus is the Son of God. This is a title that he fully embraces, fully owns that title and that position. He is the Son of God. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. However, during his earthly ministry, we can see one title that we could say was his favorite self-descriptor. It's the one that he refers to himself most often by. And there's a reason for it, and we're going to look at that today. And that title is the Son of Man. The Son of Man is actually recorded over 80 times throughout the four Gospels. This is a title that identifies him with his humanity. Every time he says the Son of Man or the Son of Man has come and refers to himself with that term, he is claiming 100% ownership of his humanity, God in human form. He is 100% God and 100% man at the same time. And what I have found is that this is often overlooked. We hear a lot about Jesus as the Son of God, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, and rightfully so. That is who he is. However, in most churches and as men, we have used that to distance ourselves from him. We say things like, we need to try harder, or I'll never be like Jesus, or we, we look at him in one way and we forget and we overlook that he actually walked into Earth's atmosphere as a man, in the same human flesh and blood body that you and I have as you're listening to this show right now. The Apostle Paul says it this way, he emptied himself. He took on the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of man. And this emptying is actually a picture of self-limitation. He chose to self-limit his power as he steps from the divine realm into earth's atmosphere. 
Now, if you've been listening for the last couple episodes, we have been breaking down and I've been laying a foundation of God's original intent for man. I'm really building a springboard here that a lot of our episodes are going to spring off of as we look at God's original design, destiny, and dominion for you and for me as men in the earth right now. So it's important that you get that information. If you want to go back to the last couple episodes, I would highly recommend it. We talk about God's destiny. We talk about God's five commands that all men have. And we talk about the responsibilities that we are made inherently within our DNA to carry as men. And in the last episode, I talk about this concept that since the very beginning of creation, God has been looking for a man. Friends, it was his original intent that he would have a man to partner with, a man that would be vice regent over the earth, a man that would rule and reign within the Garden of Eden. This is your DNA. This is your destiny. This dominion is what you and I were created for. However, The first man, Adam, massively fails. And when he fails, the earth goes under a curse. Everything changes. At that point in time, we actually inherit that old Adamic nature. We now take on the fall of Adam and it is expressed through the sinful nature. And I don't have to prove this to you. Guys, turn on the news and look around. Human behavior is declining right now as we speak. These are the consequences and the effects that are still shaking the world today because of Adam's decision to sin and disobey his creator. And that is the nature we inherit as we're born into this world. And God is still looking for a man. He never gave up on that idea. He never gave up on this idea, his intention, and his purpose for mankind. Despite Adam failing, God still has this idea of family, this idea of mankind ruling and reigning with him, living for him and with him in this divine partnership that we could see from the original intent in the Garden of Eden. On the last show, episode six, God is looking for a man. I highlighted three specific characters from the Old Testament to show you what they all had in common. And there's a theme here. So Jesus enters the earth as a man, self-limiting his power, walking 100% as God, but also 100% in humanity. And he goes through the human experience just like you and I, only he does it without sin. And we have a scripture here in Hebrews that says we do not have a high priest talking about Jesus who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things. Guys, do you know what that means? That means Jesus had the exact same temptations as you and I. You know, the temptations that come upon us as men were not foreign to Jesus. I want you to think about that for a minute. So he brings in this new nature, this new pattern of manhood that we are going to explore, we're going to examine, and we're going to talk about what that means for you and I. Now, on the last episode, God is looking for a man. I talked about three specific people from the Old Testament to underscore what they all had in common. 
And we talked about Moses, Samson, and David. And we talked about where they excelled and also this common denominator of where they all failed and could not live up to the pattern of manhood that God has destined and designed all of man for starting in the Garden of Eden. So we looked at Moses and let me compare and contrast Jesus with these Old Testament men. Unlike Moses, Jesus exhibits leadership as an obedient son. He never loses his temper like Moses did. Jesus is fully committed and submitted to the will of his father. And we see this where Moses lost his temper and strike the rock. And it, there was a big consequence for Moses when he could not enter the promised land because of his sin. Jesus doesn't act that way. Even when he's under the scrutiny, the flogging, the torture of the Roman centurions, he stands before Pilate and he holds his peace. Unlike Samson, who wavered and fell under the temptation of Delilah, under the temptation of a woman, we see Jesus is holy and completely devoted, consecrated, and separated for his father's purpose. When he is tempted in the wilderness at a very weak and deprived state, he stands strong in the face of the accuser. We also looked at David. David also has massive moral failure and structural failure throughout his life. But where David fails and falls, Jesus never fails. Jesus is tempted in every way, but he never gives in to sin even though he's in his human body and submitted to human frailty like you and I. All right, so I want to highlight two purposes for why Jesus had to come in human flesh. Purpose one was to establish heaven's pattern for manhood. I told you God never gave up on this idea of a man ruling and reigning in partnership and dominion. When I say man, I mean the human race. He wants to partner with us, and this is the pattern for manhood. So Jesus not only establishes heaven's pattern for manhood, he is the prototype or the template of what we are called to be. The Apostle Paul will call him the image of the invisible God, the firstborn. Think about that. The firstborn, that indicates that more are to come after him in this pattern. This prototype is another word that is used, that we are to be modeled after him, that he is to be the firstborn among many brethren. This one portion of scripture in 1 Corinthians, where the Apostle Paul is breaking down the contrast from where Adam failed and what Jesus brings in. The first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth. The second man is from heaven. So guys, what I want to highlight there, two things. We have the first man, Adam, and then we have the last Adam. So Jesus is referred to as the last Adam. He's also referred to as the second man. So we see the first man, Adam, and we see the second man. We see the first man, Adam. We see the last Adam. He's this new prototype that's restoring. He's a model for manhood that's restoring and meant to bring back everything that was lost for you and for me. It also says in scripture that God made Jesus the pioneer, someone who went first, the firstborn to bring us 
into the inheritance that God has for us. And I want to tell you guys, he demonstrates and shows us how to be men. Can I just throw out this religious replica of Jesus? Like right now, wherever you are, I don't know what your experience is. But when we think of Jesus, we think of this religious figure. Maybe it's this stoic figure. Maybe you have a picture of a soft man holding a baby sheep with the children. And he certainly demonstrates empathy. Jesus does have a sensitive side. He is loving. He is love. He is kind. However, we have often overlooked that Jesus was a real man, that he worked a blue collar job for the majority of his earthly life. I have learned and observed from the life of Jesus that there's so much to learn for us as men from his style, his methods, his approach, his characteristics. And Jesus actually says, come and learn of me. So guys, I'll give a quick plug right now. I wrote a book called The Standard, Discovering Jesus as the Standard for Masculinity. In this book, I actually dive into the humanity of Jesus. I look at what he models. I look at his methods. And I look specifically at how you and I can apply those in our life. And that book is broken down into six dimensions. I look at self-mastery. I look at his leadership style. I look at the way he communicates I look at the way he demonstrates empathy and demonstrates his high EQ in the way he relates to others around him. And we also look at how he confronts, how he's a real man that protects the weak, stands up against injustice and brings correction whenever there needs to be so. Okay, guys, so Jesus sets the standard and demonstrates what it means to be a real man. Let me just hit a couple bullet points real quick here for you, just to give you an example of what Jesus models for us. And maybe when you hear these, this is not automatically what you think of when you think of Jesus. Ask yourself that as I go through these, but he will embrace suffering, okay? So he shows us we're not always to be comfortable. He models obedience. You know, one of the hallmarks of a son, I have many fathers that are listening right now, the hallmark of a son for you and I as a son in our life, but also for our children, for our boys, is to model obedience. And Jesus models obedience. He shows us the way. He leads us to true manhood through these attributes. Growing up, think about Jesus. He had humble beginnings. You know, he's, first of all, he's on the run. He's born into a middle-class family. Um, there is a major incident that's happening in their hometown, in their home country. They flee to another country. And his life from that point is surrounded with hard work in the most ordinary circumstances. You know, he could have came into Earth's atmosphere as any position and any title, but he chose to come as a blue-collar worker. So wherever you are right now, I want you to know that whether you're aspiring to get promoted at work, whether you're aspiring for more success, whether you're driven by some level of ambition, Jesus will work the majority of his earthly life as a blue collar worker, a builder, handling rough and heavy materials, working with ordinary tools and going through all those mundane activities and all of the natural and normal circumstances of life that you and I also experience on the daily. So guys, this is one of the purposes that Jesus came to earth to demonstrate. He is the model for manhood. He is the template. He is the prototype for perfect, perfected manhood, 
walking in relationship with the Father as the perfect Son. Okay, as I segue into purpose number two for why Jesus came to earth, I want to tell you this quick story about Nicodemus, who was a well-known teacher. He approaches Jesus by night and says, hey, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus tells him, you must be born again to see the kingdom. So we can see here that Jesus is referencing his kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and it's actually showing us and demonstrating that he is from another world. He is from another realm, and you must be born again to even see this kingdom that Jesus speaks of. So guys, if this is foreign to you, I want to tell you Jesus came to bring in the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, which is what he calls the good news. And the good news is this. The good news is you no longer have to be a slave to sin. You no longer have to be out of alignment, suffering under the curse of that old, fallen, sinful nature that we inherited from Adam. So guys, I want to give you an invitation right now. If you don't know Jesus, if you are not truly living in alignment with who you're called and created to be, today is the day for you to pledge your allegiance to Jesus and his kingdom. And I want to tell you something. It's not about saying a simple prayer and going on with your life. You know, it's not about just saying this little declaration and then never changing your ways or aligning your actions. You know, something Jesus said, a servant is not above his master. He talked about the way of the cross in his life. He models suffering and obedience. Yes, he leads us to a life of dominion. He leads us to a life of breakthrough over sin and over the curse that has been put upon us and that we inherited from Adam. And he also demonstrates that the way we get there is by taking up our cross. So the first thing he did was he paid a price that you and I could not pay. And this is known as the work of the cross. When he got on that cross and when he said it is finished, he paid a ransom that you and I cannot earn. No matter how many good works we do, we'll never level up. We'll never measure up to the standard that Jesus sets. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to enter this kingdom. And that is through Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he purchased and made for you and for me when he got on that cross. And let me tell you why he did it, okay? I'm going to go a little bit further with this and tell you it's because he's consumed with a love for you. I want you to think about this for a minute, guys. This is not a pristine picture of Jesus walking around the earth, a frail human that didn't have any courage and that did not step up with intention and with purpose. The picture of Jesus I want you to cement in your mind right now is a courageous savior, a man who lays down his life for you and for me. I want you to see him in the garden. See him sweating drops of blood. See him as he submits his will and says, not my will, Father, but yours be done. Next, I want you to see him as he's getting a Roman flogging by rough centurions, Roman centurions who've made it their life's mission to hurt and inflict pain and punishment on anyone who violates their law. 
see Jesus there as he's getting beaten with whips and rods embedded with bone and glass as they literally tear the flesh off of his body. And the whole time it's happening, he's thinking about you and I. He's thinking about the love he has for his father. He's thinking about obedience. And this suffering is bringing him to this ultimate pinnacle of the work he will do when he pays that price that only he can pay on the cross. And as he carries that cross, he has a single eye fixture. He is locked in on the will of his father for his life, despite the pain, despite the shame, despite the agony and everything that he's under in this frail human frame, he keeps his eye on that vision of perfect sonship, perfect manhood being formed and shaped by obedience to the father. And he gets on that cross. And when he declares it is finished, he has now purchased a way for you and me to enter the kingdom of heaven. That, my friends, is known as the work of the cross. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work for it. You can only accept it as a free gift. It's what Jesus gives to all men who ask for it. There is also another side of this coin. It's called the way of the cross. And the way of the cross is the way of a disciple. We looked at that word earlier in our season. It's a disciplined learner. It's someone who takes up their cross and dedicates their life. When Jesus says, follow me, you become a follower. You become a learner and you learn his ways as he leads us in the path that he has for us. So guys, I want to tell you, if you do not know Jesus or you're listening today and you're out of alignment with the will of God for your life, I want to call you back right now. I want to give you this invitation and this opportunity to align your purpose, your will, and your intention with following the one who was crucified, resurrected, and leads us to life. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. So here's what you need to do. I don't want to paint a rosy picture for you that you're going to say a simple prayer and your life's going to change and everything's going to be amazing and you are now going to live a life of breakthrough at every corner, in every circumstance, and every part of your existence. Guys, that's just not what Jesus promises. Yes, we have dominion over sin. And yes, he calls us to live an ascended life. And let me tell you, there's nothing like partnering with God and fulfilling the will and the vision and the purpose that he has for us as men and he has for you and me in our individual journeys of leadership as we follow him. This is what you must do. You must believe with your heart. When I say heart and when the scripture says heart, it's with all of your being. It's believing and setting your intention with a focused purpose that you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. You believe and you understand the price that he paid. We also confess with our mouth. There's something in the kingdom realm that requires our words. We have to bring a confession. We have to say with intention what we are declaring, what we are turning from, and who we are turning to. You also have to repent. 
You have to repent from that sinful nature and from all the sins in your life. You have to turn away. Repenting is more than just saying a prayer and just repeating some words. It is a heart posture to know that you have violated God's law and that you need to bring yourself in right standing and right alignment with the Father's will for you. And really what I'm talking about here, guys, as I talk about being a kingdom man, as I talk about being submitted to God's kingdom and devoted and disciplined in our following of him, we're talking about a change of allegiance. We're talking about our former allegiance was to our flesh. It was to the lusts of our flesh, the desires, the sinful nature, and the world systems, and everything the world has to offer us. And with the kingdom message, when Jesus calls men and shares the good news, it's that we no longer have to be in bondage to sin, and he calls us to change our allegiance. And this is exemplified by our actions, by taking action and putting down carnality, putting down this emphasis that we always want to live for ourselves, guys. And that is what it takes to accept the Lord, to live for him and to walk with him. And I want to tell you, there's nothing like it. There is a destiny over your life when you take this action and when you're translated from one kingdom to another kingdom. Guys, I am going to tell you what you need to do if you want to turn your life around. If you're ready to submit, if you're ready to follow Jesus, and if you're ready to partner with him with where he wants to take you. It's very simple, but it will require everything from you. Believe, confess, repent, and then follow through with your actions. And you make him the savior and the Lord of your life. Okay, guys, so if this is resonating with you, if you know this is you, if you know that you need to change allegiance today, that you are being called and you feel Jesus speaking to you right now, you can feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit just pressing and showing you that you're missing the mark, that you're not living it, and that it's time to change. It's time to come and lay it down. It's time to come and lay down all those burdens, the guilt, the shame, the sin then I do want to pray with you. And I am going to lead you in a prayer that encompasses those four components of believing, confessing, repenting, and pledging your allegiance. So if that's you, I want you to pray with me the words that I say here. Father, I come before you today a sinner. Lord, I've missed the mark. I have sin in my life and it's separating me from you. And I'm sorry for my sin. I repent for my sin. I no longer want to live under this burden. I no longer want to try and do it my own way. I no longer want to live under the grind and the hustle of trying just to make everything happen for myself apart from you and apart from your will. Lord, take it. Take all the sin. Take all the shame. And I ask you to come into my life Jesus, forgive me of all of my sin. I make you the Lord of my life. I declare right now my allegiance to Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I call out for your mercy and I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a new man. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 
if you prayed that prayer, if you invited Jesus into your life, something just happened. You are completely new. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to me at josh at standard59.com. That's my email, josh at standard59.com. I'd love to hear about this new turn, this new allegiance, and you just received new life, if that's you. Guys, I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If what you heard here today resonated with you and you want to fully step in to be the man that God created and called you to be, then I want to give you a free guide. It's called The Map, and you can get it at standard59.com. In The Map, I will give you 12 biblical strategies that every kingdom man pursuing biblical masculinity must honor. If you're ready to step off the sidelines and pursue the upward call, then get the map today at standard59.com. That's standard59.com. Hey, if there's a brother in your life that needs to hear this message, then share this show with them. And please leave us a rating and review. It helps get the message out there to more men. Until the next show, guys, let's raise the standard.